But if you go to work, or even if I know most students are off next week, if you're going to school, you are less, you are 10% less likely to be productive in your job. All because you missed an hour of sleep last night. Last night we sprung forward, as we like to say, about our time change, and it changes everything. We don't always realize how much it might affect us. And that's why people love to study it, and they love to say, well, it's going to make you more likely to get into a car accident, it's going to make you less productive, all because we want that extra hour of light, which is understandable. There's so much more you can do when it's light out as opposed to dark. And for the variety of reasons why daylight saving started, there's still people who argue about why it happens anymore. But what's real and what's true and what we know is that we feel better when the day you can still see the light. So when you come home from work and it's not completely dark, or you come home from school and it's not completely dark, or you choose to go outside to walk your dog at 7 o'clock and there's still a sunset or at least sunlight, you feel better. We feel better in the light. It's just a reality of who we are. And so for some of us, as we've gone through a harsh winter, not just because of COVID, but because of the temperatures, because of the lack of sunlight, we are rejoicing at the hopes and the joy of experiencing sunlight for a little bit longer each day. Some of us will also think, well, I'd rather be sleeping that extra hour anyway, but that's okay. I know I would sometimes. But light is important to us. And that's why this morning we're going to be talking about one of the ways Jesus describes himself, which is as light. As we're in this series, as we're leading into Easter, we're looking at who Jesus says he is. You know, when we talk about ourselves and we try to describe who we are, we can take things like what our life experiences have been like. We can talk about where our family of origin is. We can talk about our jobs. We can talk about our education. We can talk about our hobbies to try and describe who we are to other people. But Jesus takes a very different route when he starts to describe who he is in the Gospels. Each Gospel has a unique purpose in the New Testament, written to a unique audience, and we're kind of like a second or third-hand audience many, many years later from the initial one. But in John's Gospel, he makes it clear at the end of his writing that he wrote everything down, that he compiled what he heard from other people, what he experienced himself, and he put it together by God's inspiration so that we could believe Jesus is who he says he is. So who is Jesus? That's the big question. John wants to show us who he is and why it should make a difference in our lives. And so in John chapter 8, verse 12, he shares with us one of the I am statements that Jesus makes. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When Jesus says this to the crowd, if we just look at it, that one verse, we're like, wow, that just seems like out of nowhere. But there's been a whole lot going on before this point. The stories found in John are not in isolation. They are usually connected to the larger part of the story. And so the larger part of the story is that there's a festival that's going on in Israel at that time. It's the, the festi- festival of tabernacle, or feast of tabernacle, or of tents. And this festival is to celebrate and commemorate who God is and was and how he acted. And it's a combination of uh, festivities, of 
uh, rejoicing for the people where they talk about their gratitude to God for how he provides for them and how he shelters them. And in particular, it roots back in the Exodus story of the people of Israel. For those of us who are familiar with this story, we know that at one point, the people of God, the nation of Israel, was in slavery in Egypt, and God liberated them through the work of Moses and through his work, obviously God's work. And as they were liberated, as they left Egypt, they spent 40 years wandering in the desert. What should have taken them maybe a month to get to where they were promised to, to go, took them 40 years. But in the midst of that 40 years, God was with them always. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 20, it mentions this, says, They set out from Succoth and camped at Etham at the edge, on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them in a pillar of cloud to guide their way by day, and in a pillar of fire to give them light by night. So they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place before the people. So God was present with the people as they wandered through this wilderness, through a pillar of cloud in the day and then a pillar of fire at night so they could see. As probably some of us experienced this morning as we woke up with the lights out, we might have maybe walked into some things we don't normally walk into because it was dark. I know I was here pretty early this morning, and I walked down the hall, and I actually walked into a garbage can. It was quite adventurous for me in the morning. I was surprised it was there. But if I had the light on, I would have been able to see, and I would hopefully avoid that garbage can. If I were to walk into that garbage can, it would be because I wasn't paying attention to what was right in front of me. And so as like these people are wandering in the wilderness, God is providing light for them so they're not walking into things like a garbage can, which probably wouldn't be in the desert but it's keeping them safe from predators, wild animals, insects that could sting them, make them sick, or just where they could trip and hurt their ankle and not be able to travel anymore. So God was present with them in a pillar of fire, of light, to illuminate their path so they could get to where they were meant to go. And so this is the festival that the people of Israel were celebrating and that Jesus is speaking into. As the story unfolds, it actually starts quite a few chapters earlier, where Jesus is interacting with the people in, in the temple area, and he's telling them about who he is, and they're challenging him on it. One of the things that would have been present in his space was that for this festival, they would light a multitude of candles and cauldrons and things to light up the night. If you can think of our own experiences, maybe at Christmas Eve, if you've gone to a candlelight service, where the whole point is that you have the candles breaking the darkness, this would be that times a million. It would be said by rabbis at the time that it would light up the whole city just from the temple of all the cauldrons and lanterns that they had going. And the point was to remember that God showed himself as light to guide his people. And so in the midst of this celebration of light, Jesus comes in and says, I am the light. Of the world. For his audience hearing that the first time, they should be a little bit shocked. For us, maybe it kind of glosses over us and we don't even notice. But they would have been shocked by it. They would have been shocked because, first of all, he uses this term, I am, which is to equate himself with God. And then he would say that, you know, this light that you are celebrating, it's actually me that you're celebrating, and you don't even know it. 
And he says that whoever follows him as the light, just as the people of Israel long ago followed a pillar of fire, would never walk in darkness and will have the light of life. This word Zoe, which is a spiritual full life, more than just existing. So for Jesus, he says that he is the light for everyone, better than this light that Moses got to follow. And if you follow him, there is life in it, a fullness of life more than what they were experiencing at the time. So try to imagine this with me. You're at this festival. You are celebrating, because that's what you do. You celebrate at these festivals. You are celebrating by remembering who God is and the significance of God in the nation's history. That you were God's called people, and because you were called by God, he led you to that point. And in the midst of all that leading, you had certain things you did to try and stay in relationship with him. And so there was this group called the Pharisees that some of us are familiar with who were very rigid about how you follow God. And throughout John's gospel, they're encountering Jesus and kind of coming into conflict with him. But imagine as you're there, as Jesus stands up and says, he is the light of the world. This should cause us to pause, cause us to react. Maybe some of us get a sinking feeling in our stomach going, oh, what's going to happen next? What happens next is verse 13. It says, the Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Understandably, the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders, would say, hey, Jesus, who's saying this about you? It's just you. It's just you saying you're the light of the world. That's not valid. It's like if I were to come up here and say, you know what? I'm a really great person. Of course, you're all agreeing with me, but it would be a little weird that I would say that about myself. Because we know that what we really want is someone else to say we're a really great person, or someone else to say we're a person of character, or someone else to say we're smart, or someone else to say we're kind, because we know that somebody else's story about us makes it feel a little more validating. It might be true that you already know you're all those things, but it helps to have somebody else say them. And so the Pharisees are saying, well, nobody else is saying this about you, Jesus. It's just you. That doesn't count. And Jesus answered, even if I testified on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where am I going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. So these Pharisees, these religious leaders, say, hey, Jesus, your, test, your story about yourself is invalid. It doesn't count. And Jesus says, well, you know what? Nobody could actually express who I am because I'm the only one who's experienced it. And because of that, because, well, he's God, he says, in fact, the testimony that you're looking for about me is testified by the Father, the one who you say you follow. And so he is saying to this crowd, to these religious leaders and everybody overhearing it who are 
kind of going, what's going to happen next? He's saying, well, none of you can really understand me because I'm completely different than you. Jesus being God in the flesh, he's saying that you can't fully get this at this moment of what's really going on. And so he's challenging them on it. And he says, well, actually, it's the Father who also tells you who I am. He says, and they asked him, well, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied, for if you knew me, you would know my father. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. John intentionally puts that little last line that I just read, that no one seized him. Because for us, we could be reading this, and it does sound a little bit confusing the way the words kind of weave together. But for his audience that would have been initially interacting with this, they know what Jesus is claiming at this point. He's claiming he's God. And for him to claim he is God, it is punishable by death by their standards. And so his claim at this moment, even though we might be looking at it and not fully grasping it, to his initial audience, to the people he's interacting with, was very severe. Jesus says he's God. And he likens that to light, that he is the light of the world, and that anyone who follows him does not walk in darkness, and that he gives the light of life. If Jesus is the light of the world, as he says he is here, the people hearing this should be questioning, well, what does that mean? And by the people hearing this, it should be also us. What does that mean that Jesus is the light of the world? We talk about Jesus. If you've been to church for a while, you've probably heard stories about Jesus. Maybe it's unfamiliar to you, so there's some newer experiences and learnings that you're doing. But when Jesus talks about himself... He talks a lot about why he is here. And he uses this metaphor of light to describe why he is here. Jesus is here to guide us in the right way, in part. There's so much more to him. And those who follow him have the light to guide them. So what does light do? Well, just as if you were in a dark room and you turn on a light, it would reveal everything to you. It shows you what's there. We experience light by it reflecting on the things around us, and by light we can see. And Jesus is saying, well, by him you can see as well. When we allow Jesus to be who he says he is, the light of the world, his light reveals all kinds of things. His light should reveal to us what is ahead of us, not necessarily in a future sense, but what is all around us. It should be able for us to perceive how we're going to make choices because he is illuminating it. In the same way, he should be revealing who we are. Just as if I wake up in the morning and it's not very uncommon, I might think I'm looking okay, but until I turn the light on in the bathroom, I don't realize what's going on with my hair because light reveals who I am. And if I allow Jesus to be the light he is, he's going to reveal who I am. In this story, he's revealing to the religious elite who they are. And as the story continues, I'd encourage you to read the rest of John's gospel, but particularly this chapter, 
you see how people get so trapped in their thinking about how things should be and how they believe God says they are that they miss God right in front of them. And so Jesus is revealing to these people who God really is as he's revealing to us who God really is. And he's revealing to us who we really are. By the light of Jesus, I am seeing the reality of sin, of the reality that there are darknesses in this world, there are darknesses that express themselves in me that are not light, and they're not of God. By this light of Jesus, you should be able to see that around you. And it's easy sometimes to see it in somebody else, because it's so much easier to do that. It's a lot harder to look in the mirror and see it in ourselves. But it's the same light of Jesus that reveals sin around us as it does within us. And until we allow Jesus to be this light, we can walk in darkness and not even realize it. We can ignore the things that cause us to stumble and lead us astray. We can ignore the things that keep us trapped in ways of being that we've never been meant to be in because we don't allow the light to come in. As much as we desire to see, sometimes what we see we don't like very much. And that's what it was for these religious leaders. They didn't like what Jesus was revealing to them. They didn't like how it demonstrated they weren't people of kindness or care or compassion. They didn't like how it demonstrated that they didn't actually know God as much as they said they did. And so it is with us. Sometimes we don't like what Jesus reveals. We don't like it when he reveals our impatience or reveals the fact that we actually are quite mean at times, that we lack kindness, or that we choose to ignore God or other people for our own personal enjoyment or gain. We don't like being told these things by other people. We don't like it being revealed by Jesus sometimes. But if he is the light of the world, as he says he is, he is revealing to us all of these things all the time. Then it becomes a question of, well, what do we do with what he reveals? Jesus says that since he is the light of the world, whoever follows him will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. To experience the fullness of the light the fullness of life that Jesus offers, we need to be aware of what this light is revealing and then choose to continuously be following him in light of that. If Jesus is the light of the world, if Jesus is revealing what is hidden, what we sometimes want to conceal, we need to take that into account. None of us like to admit our faults. None of us like to admit we're wrong. We for sure don't like people telling us those things. But are we allowing Jesus to show, to reveal what we're trying to conceal? That's what the light of the world does. In the same way as we need a light in a room to see a trash can in front of us, Jesus illuminates our souls to who we are and who we think we are as well, and asks us to deal with those things that he's been revealing, some good, 
some not so good. As Jesus encounters these Pharisees, these religious leaders, they are faced with the same challenge that we are. And that challenge is, do we, do we accept what Jesus is revealing? Do we allow him to reveal it? Do we confess our sin where it's appropriate? Or do we buckle down and say, well, who are you to show me my wrong? Because that's what they do. And that's the challenge that we face when light reveals who we really are. My prayer for us is that as we explore who Jesus is in his own words, that we are open to what he has to say. And that as we allow him to be the light, not just of the world in general, but of our world, we don't try to conceal what he's revealing, and we trust him to guide us down the right path. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the God who reveals yourself in Jesus. That you felt it so good to enter into human history and to demonstrate yourself and to show that you are the light of the world. And that by you we can fully see. And that by you we don't always like what we see. But if whether we like it or not doesn't change the fact that you are lighting it up that you are demonstrating and showing us the way that we should be going. Just as, God, you led people long ago through a wilderness from uh, the place of slavery to the place of promise, you are leading us daily from the place of our own slavery of sin to the promise of hope that you offer, and that you are illuminating that along the way. I pray that we are allowing ourselves by the power of your Holy Spirit to be open to what you show us, to not uh, reject it outright when it's uncomfortable, when it's something we don't agree with, but we allow you to illuminate, to light up, to demonstrate the truth to us continuously. I pray, Jesus, that we see you as the light of the world and that as you are that light, we allow you to be. We don't try to darken it. We don't try to cover it. But we allow it to shine in our lives and that we choose to follow you daily, even when it isn't easy. And let's pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.